Hello everyone, I'm Peter Lepson, author of the book Thank God for Football, about the church origins of 12 famous English football clubs who have played in the FA Premier League. The series is based on my book Thank God for Football, which is available from Amazon or directly from the publisher SPCK. Today's club is Bolton Wanderers Football Club, founded in 1874 at Christchurch, a church in a needy district of Bolton where the majority of the parishioners earned very low wages in local factories and mills. Whole families lived in a single room in many of back-to-back terraced houses that dominated the area. It was here that the Reverend Joseph Farrell Wright arrived in 1871 with his wife and four children to become the new vicar, feeling called to leave a fashionable residential area in order to serve the poor and deprived. Opposite the church stood a building in which were housed two church schools, one for boys, the other for girls. Wright had a particularly close involvement with the boys' school, visiting it on a regular basis, and it was his close understanding with the headmaster, Thomas Ogden, that led to the birth of Bolton Wanderers. Ogden was appointed headmaster of Christchurch Boys' School in 1869, just before his 23rd birthday. He could not have arrived at a worse time. He was the sole teacher for some 140 pupils and he had to teach them all simultaneously in the school hall with the help of a young trainee teacher. There were enormous problems. Truancy was rampant, punctuality terrible and disobedience and misbehaviour the norm. To make matters worse, young hooligans roamed the area with the intention of disrupting lessons. Ogden couldn't even count on parents for support. Some actively encouraged truancy so that their children could supplement the family income by finding casual work in one of the local textile mills. Predictably, reports by school inspectors were damning. Five months after Ogden's arrival, inspectors reported that, quote, the discipline and general efficiency of the school is much below the mark. As a result, the government grant to the school was reduced by a tenth with the threat of a further reduction if there was not a marked improvement the next year. Perhaps the fact that the report recognised the shortage of staff may have been some consolation to Ogden as he was due to get the services of an assistant master any day and he no doubt hoped this would make a difference. But any hopes he had were misplaced. Only two months after taking up his appointment, his assistant resigned because of poor pay. Ogden was now back to where he had started. He frantically began to advertise in the local papers and in the teacher's journal for a replacement, but to no avail. No one, it seemed, wanted to work in this tough area. Although another assistant was eventually recruited in January 1870, he too didn't last long, resigning after only three months. The problems seemed to be never-ending. But Ogden was a dedicated teacher, and with the help of one or two trainee teachers, he slowly and painfully began to turn things round. Remarkably, in view of the many difficulties he faced, the inspectors were able to write in the 1870 inspection report, quote, The tone of this school has improved, and to some extent, the attainments. Within a year, the attainments too had improved. But the real turning point came when Joseph Wright was appointed vicar of Christchurch in 1871. 
Despite the considerable age difference between them, Wright was 47, Ogden 28, the two men developed a good understanding and worked very well together. With Wright behind him, Ogden was able to take the school forward in spectacular fashion. Although assistant masters continued to come and go with alarming regularity, Ogden achieved remarkable success. The first major breakthrough came with the 1872 inspection report. The order is good, the extra subjects were well done, and the results of the examination gave proofs of careful teaching. After that, the school continued to improve in leaps and bounds. It was no doubt due to Ogden's Christian faith that he was able against all the odds to achieve so much at the school. There is certainly a strong hint of this in the inspection report of the 27th of October, 1882. The school, as a whole, did well. The influences at work in the school seemed to be of a directly religious kind. In 1874, Wright and Ogden had a conversation that was to have a historic outcome. Ogden was a football enthusiast, and though Wright was not an active sportsman himself, he was influenced by the muscular Christian belief, popular in many churches at the time, that team sports, such as cricket and football, were wholesome pastimes that developed qualities of Christian character, such as courage, fair play, unselfishness and self-control. Wright was intrigued to discover that a new variety of football had recently been introduced in the neighbouring village of Turton, and knowing that Ogden was a frequent visitor there, asked him to investigate. Wright wondered if this new form of the game might be something for the young men of the Christchurch Sunday School. Ogden set off to examine the Turton brand of football. He was unsure of what he would find, as there were so many versions of the game in England, each with a different set of rules. When the Turton Club was founded, it initially played football under the rules of Harrow School, where one of its players had been a pupil, but in 1874 switched to association football, which was then only 11 years old. Nicknamed soccer from the letters SOC in the word association, this variety of football slowly began to spread throughout England, and Turton had the distinction of being the first club in Lancashire to take it up. Ogden was thoroughly impressed by what he saw and gave an enthusiastic account to Reverend Wright. They decided, then and there, to set up a club at Christchurch. In June 1874, Ogden called a meeting at his school of young men of the Sunday school to see if they were interested in a church football club. As they were unfamiliar with the association game, he had to convince them of its merits Probably because of his infectious enthusiasm, he had little difficulty winning them over. The decision was taken to form a club and call it Christ Church Football Club, with Joseph Wright as president and Tom Ogden as captain. The Christ Church Boys School, where the Sunday school met, was to be its HQ. Their first match was in 1874 against Farnworth. Although the result isn't known, one half of the game was played according to association rules, the other according to rugby rules. Clearly, as no one particular code was widely established at the time, compromises had to be made when clubs played each other. At first, Christchurch FC had no ground of their own and played wherever they could until they found a regular pitch in Pikes Lane. Their matches were mostly against other Sunday school teams in and around Bolton. All went well 
for three years, until one eventful day in 1877 when there was a serious disagreement between the President, Reverend Joseph Wright, and the club committee. Wright took his role as president very seriously and didn't consider himself to be simply a figurehead. He took an active part in the club's affairs and attended all committee meetings. In fact, he considered these meetings to be so important that he wouldn't allow them to take place if he wasn't able to be there. What was the reason for this? Almost certainly, he wanted to keep a watchful eye on the players to safeguard the good name of his church, which featured so prominently in the club's title. Unfortunately, their behaviour was often discreditable. Some of them failed to attend meetings, some didn't turn up for matches, and some swore on the pitch. Wright wanted to set the standard much higher, but his regular presence at meetings caused considerable tension within the club. The committee considered him to be intrusive and his attitude to be authoritarian. In consequence, they rebelled and decided to part company with him and his church. Now this seems to have been an impetuous move. After all, Wright was not known in the parish to be authoritarian. In fact, it's difficult to understand how a man who was widely regarded as, quote, a true friend and a loving minister, who was always courteous and who went about things quietly and unostentatiously, should fall foul of the very people he had wanted to help. It was he, after all, who urged Ogden to get a football club up and running for them. Nevertheless, once the decision had been taken, the committee started the search for a new HQ as the school would no longer be available. They finally found a base at the Gladstone Hotel, which was situated conveniently near to their pitch in Pikes Lane. There was now the important question of a new name. It was a key topic for discussion at the committee's last meeting at the Christchurch Boys' School in August 1877. It didn't take them long to think of one. Prompted by the fact that they had had to wander in search of a new HQ, they decided to call themselves Bolton Wanderers. A year later, Peter Parkinson, the manager of a textile mill in the town, became a member of the club and later its president. As an individual with great drive, energy and ambition, he helped establish the club as a force in the area. Within only two or three years of his arrival, Bolton were beating teams of the calibre of Blackburn Olympic and Preston North End, and by 1885 had turned professional. In 1888, they became founder members of the Football League. There were great days ahead. But neither Wright nor Ogden saw these developments. Sadly, both died within only a few months of each other, Wright in his 57th year in June 1883, Ogden at the age of only 38 in March 1884. According to the president of the Bolton Teachers Association, Ogden's death was, quote, accelerated by overwork and over-anxiety. There can be little doubt that the 15 years of struggle at the tough Christchurch Boys' School had finally taken their toll. Interestingly, Wright's connection with the club lived on. His care for the poor had always been a key feature of his work in the parish, and while he was president of Christchurch Football Club, it had always made an annual contribution to the funds of the Bolton Poor Protection Society, of which he was secretary. Even after the parting of the ways between Wright and the club, 
Bolton Wanderers continued to make its annual contribution to this society until the outbreak of the First World War. There's a fitting end to this story. When I discovered that Reverend Wright had been buried in the churchyard of Christ Church in Wormsley, just outside Bolton, and that his grave was in a state of neglect, I immediately informed the club. Their response was heartwarming. The grave was promptly repaired, cleaned, and the lettering made legible. The words, founder of Bolton Wanderers Football Club, 1874, were added in capital letters to the inscription. When the restoration was complete, the grave was rededicated at a special service at Christ Church Wormsley in June 2008 in the presence of the chairman and other senior officials of Bolton Wanderers Football Club, dignitaries of the town and the director of the National Football Museum. Sky Sports News covered the event. A few months later, in January 2009, a further tribute was paid by Bolton Wanderers to Wright when a memorial brick bearing his name was placed in the club's walkway of fame in front of the Reebok Stadium, as it was called then, and publicly dedicated. As no picture of this caring clergyman has ever been found, it's fitting that some form of visible reminder of him exists at the club that he founded. As you know, most clubs have a song or tune associated with that club, and they love to sing the song in particular before, during, and if they're successful in the match, after the game. You're now going to hear the song associated with you enjoyed that story join us again next time to hear another one about the church origin of a famous english football club until then it's goodbye from me peter lupson author of thank god for football